Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Two Cups of Tea. I'm Chris Heath, and in my pursuit of amazing stories from lovely old characters, I've come today to Southampton. And with the help of a large pot of tea, I'm going to hear the life story of an old legend in her golden years who's full to bursting with brilliant stories. And I have to tell you, today is a real treat. Here's just a few tidbits to tempt you with. Well, when we went back then, 1944, they were grinding um, acorns for coffee because there was no coffee. I can swear in three languages. Can you? (laughs) Oh, yes. And the... German officer took out his revolver and shot him in the head and walked on. Oh, my God. Yes, he did, honestly. It's funny the whole life I've had, isn't it? So let's go in and meet Jessie Denby. She's 95 years old and during the Second World War fought tooth and nail manning the anti-aircraft guns all over Britain and the continent. It's time to play the cheesy title music. I was born in my grandmother's house, which I presume is, has been demolished by now. And I was born, I was only two and a half pounds in weight. And I was, and the doctor said, wrap this up and put it under the bed. And my grandmother said, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'll take her downstairs and clean her up. And which she did, and I'm still here. So the doctor had given up because oh, you were only yeah. two and a half pounds. Oh, yes, he wasn't going to bother. And he was going to look after my mother. Because uh, he said, I'll look after the, the, the mother. Well, they were in two and a half pounds. I, I didn't really stand a chance. In, not in 1922. So no, I, because if, if, if it's two and a half... If a baby's born at two and a half pounds now, they're in the incubators and yes, they've got all the... use all the posh equipment, don't they? Yes, well, this was a small co- a country cottage and there were no facilities at all. Yeah. So I'm just living out of spite, I think. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I think 90 years on, 95 years on, I think you're entitled to stick two fingers up to that doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, must, I expect he's dead years ago, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like I should have been. <laughs> Goodness me. Well, there's a start to life. That means, that means after that, anything you do is a huge achievement, considering, you know, well, considering I shouldn't that. be here. I yeah. shouldn't be here. They weren't going to bother. No. Um, so tell me about your, your mother and father. Well, my father was a shoemaker, a shoe repairer. Well, yeah. maker really, but he, he, he does just repairs as well. And my mother was small and, and quite attractive and 
Um, she was not a loving mother. She just wasn't. She didn't want me, and she told, told me so when I was older. And uh, she wasn't a loving mother. She, I was fed and clothed and brought up and told what to do all the time. Mm. And she was very, very strict, and I was afraid of her, quite frankly. Yeah. Because I was afraid of her, yeah, and scared of her. Because she really used to hit me, not just hit, wallop. When I got older, I she was whatever I did was was wrong before it stopped. Before yeah. I did it, you know, and I wasn't going to win anyway. So, uh, but anyway, the point is that she was very strict. But at least she brought me to, up how to behave and how to speak as uh, much as you could in Lincolnshire. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I know what you mean. You know, ain't you going on yet? Now I ain't going on yet. I don't know if they still speak like that. But well, I think I think they still. I'm from the Fens, and I know yes, in the well, Fens they say. Well, it's the Fens. Yeah, they say. I know that in the Fens they don't say stewed rhubarb. They say stewed rhubarb. Rhubarb. Yeah. Rhubarb. Rhubarb. Yeah. Yes, if there was a wrong way to say it, they did. (laughs) Yes, of course. It was like that. And when I tried to speak properly at school, I used to get told I was was stuck up. Oh, well, you're different. Your dad came from away. Away was anywhere 10 miles from, from the... Where, where they were, I think. Well, that's uh, that was that's when things were really kind of isolated, especially out in the fence. Oh yes, that's goodness right. me. Yeah. So, what was your dad like? Oh, he was nice. But he wasn't well. He was in the army in the First World War, you see. And he had... Oh, he was in the First World War. Oh, yes. Yeah. Was, and he was in the Royal Warwicks. People say, oh, you were in the Warwicks. No, I was not in the Warwicks. I was in the Royal Warwicks. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. He was very t- t- that tall, thin man... And he had asthma and bronchitis, and he wasn't a well man. I never really knew, knew him. And he used to have this little wooden shop at Holbridge Clough, which is a, a tiny little bit of, of the bank. And um, he, he was a very good... I mean, he really was a, a tradesman and made a good job of everything. And he used to keep the shops open late because a lot of the men were... Used to, the customers were um, from the from the farms, and they probably hadn't got two pairs of shoe, boots or anything. Dad used to keep the shop open till about oh after half past eight, nine o'clock to do to keep uh, the, the customers happy. And to be frank, Mum was a nag. She, she was, I think, she, she was always on his case, was she? Yeah, and and I think she. Uh, I think he would probably went to the shop to get away. I would, I would never <laughs> say that to her or any of the other family. But I, yeah, yes. Well, it's often the way I've spoken to a lot of people, and it's true of my nan, and it's true of a lot of people. I think the mums were often the drill sergeants and the taskmasters because they had to be, yeah. and the dads were kind of lovely and wanted a quiet life. Yes, and I, I found that a lot in the people I've spoken to. Well, that's very interesting. Mum once said to me once, I never did want you, and you've been nothing but a nuisance from the day you were born. And I was about, oh, I don't know, eight, nine, mm. and I knew, well, whatever I knew, do now, I've had it. You know, it won't make yeah, me... Yeah, you can't win. No, you can't win. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a small meowing person in the room. Mm. Can you introduce us, please? This is my black cat, who found, which I found in my garden, and her name is Katika. Oh, Kat- Katika. It, it's Flemish... I was in the army in Belgium for about a year during the war, and I spoke. I was 
converse in, in Flemish, uh, and they they had a cat, mm. and uh, they didn't let it out because well things were very dodgy in 1934. Mm. Cats used to disappear. And they and they used to use the skins for gloves and stuff. I mean, they just use them. Really? And, oh yes, it was, it was really terrible during the in, in, when the. Um, Katika, don't listen to this. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, um, during the occupation, oh yes, oh it was grim. Mm. It was grim. I mean, goodness yeah. me. Well, when we went back then, nineteen forty-four, they were grinding um, acorns for coffee because there was no coffee. Really? Yeah. Well, listen, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We should skip back again. Now, what was school life like? Were you a good student? Apparently, I, apparently, I was nearly at the top of most a lot of things, except I couldn't do art. Can't I? Couldn't draw. <laughs> well, who needs that? No, no, I did do quite well at school. Yeah. yeah. But of course, we had to leave at fourteen. My dad, the headmaster at Spalding, begged my dad to let me go and put to the uh, Spalding High School. But they couldn't afford it. They mm. just couldn't. Dad, I remember this conversation and my dad saying, well, she'll need some new shoes and she'll uh, need a tennis racket and things. Well, there's and, the uniform and there's all the stuff yeah, that goes with yeah, it. So it's my, not just the, yeah, and all my of that, dad, you know, my to dad pay for. said, and there's the bus fare, you know. That's from six miles from Holbeach to Spalding. Mm. And they couldn't afford it. They just couldn't afford it. So I didn't go. And I, but I could play. The, I was, my dad paid, bought a second-hand uh, piano, and I, I knew I was musical. My fa- my dad's family were all musical in the, in the Midlands, and my, and I'd got an uncle who used to play in the, on the wireless, all oh, the wireless. Uh, in the, what you had your uncle played on the radio? Yes, really. And dad used to pay a shilling a week to a lady in the village hmm. to for me to have a music lessons. And so when I got better and better and better at it, there were some children in the in the village who would like to learn to pia- the piano. So I just used to go some li- li- lessons for them. And I, I chose... Also, you gave the lessons? Yeah, from, 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 from bass. And yeah. how old were you then? Oh, 14, 15. So you must have been pretty good. Yes, I, I was. I know I was. Yeah. And the point was that... Uh, I used to charge them a shilling a, a, a lesson as well. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, I had about four or five t- children in the village. Yeah. Uh, doing that. So I mean, that was about five shillings a week. It was marvellous, and I got money. And how old were you roughly when when the Second World War broke out? I was um, seventeen. So, so you would have, you would have played a role, presumably. Well, I was just more or less doing the same for a long, for a while. But, and then of course, tra- troops came into that the village, and that's how I met my first husband. Yeah. What was his name? Jim, Jim Winkworth. Yeah. So you would have been an eighteen or nineteen. Yes, at this yes. Point. Oh, no, I was eighteen. Yes. Are you eighteen? Yes. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was that was first love. Oh yes. And why was why did he come to the village? Well, he would. There was a big house called Bleak House, and it was taken over by the army as uh, officers' mess. Hmm. And it so happened that I knew the people who were caretakers in the house, and uh, I popped in to see them, and they'd got a lovely piano. <laughs> 
Oh, I see. He used to play the piano. And so I, and one night I, I was playing at the piano in the, in the dining room hmm. and I, this voice said, oh, that was lovely. And I looked and there's this soldier standing at the doorway. And that was Jim. Oh. <laughs> and then he said, oh, gosh, I'd better go. He said, I mean, I should be on duty. About two days afterwards... That meant you were worth being off duty for. Yeah. Two days afterwards, I came back from the cafe and um, there was a soldier there. And he had found out from my friend where I lived and I said to my mother, is Jesse Where was... I came to see Jesse. So I played the piano for him and he was lovely. And it really gave, gave the fact that he was really keen on me. And I, it was reciprocated, I must say. I'm just about 19. And I went and there was a, a recruiting office. And I walked in and I said, I want to join the ATS. And they said... Are you sure? I mean, it's a big thing to do, said this lady. And I said, no, I've thought about it before, and I would like to do that. And so for people who don't know, what does ATS stand for? What was the ATS? It's the Auxiliary Territorial Service, not any time sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> was that the, that was the... That was the naughty name for it, wasn't oh, it? Oh, there were worse ones than that. <laughs> yeah. We were never called ATS. Some units used to be called ATS. I don't want to be called an AT. I yeah. I, I, it was always ATS. I'm going to be ATS. And, I, and it was the army, and my dad was thrilled. God, he said, I think you will get on great. He said, because you like people, you're good with people. Mm. I said, so he's proud of you. Oh, I was the person who won the war, didn't you know? <laughs> <laughs> Where? Jess is there, and Jess has been there, and Jess is doing this. And of course. Oh, you, you mean that's what he was like when he was telling other people the stories? Yeah. Oh, but bless of course, him. I couldn't tell him things I would have liked to have told because there were things you didn't talk about. Oh, but there's nothing lovelier than a proud dad, is there? Oh, he thought, he, I, well, you know, I did. I really did win the war by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was it like when you first got there? I, I took to it like a duck to water because oh. I was used to working with people and I like, and I'm not, I wasn't shy. I should have been, but I wasn't. I loved it. I really did. Mm. Even when it, when it was awful, I loved it because we were, you felt you were doing something back. So what was your, what was your basic uniform? It was skirt and and tunic at the time mm. with shiny buttons, yeah. And then when we went into Akak, we we wore that battle dress just like the men: boots and gaiters and trousers and and everything exactly the same. There were no concessions at all. Did you used to have drill practice just the same as every well? day? We marched more than an hour's marching drill every day, yeah. absolutely every day, and we marched with the men. Sometimes, occasionally, you just go, girl, man, girl, man, but not very often because we were too small. But we, when we learned to march, we were in the Royal Artillery, you see, mm. and it's a, a bit slower march, and you have to and, and stride out and st straighten your backs and hold your bloody heads up, which you do. Mm. <laughs> and the, oh, is that what the drill sergeants used to shout? <laughs> I, I, well, I suppose I can tell you. They used to say, open your legs, you've got nothing left to lose. 
I imagine you grow up pretty quick when you go you, when you, you go you, somewhere you, like you that. You are treated you... exactly like the men. There were no concessions, none at all. Yeah. None at all. You look like a bunch of pregnant virgins. I never worked that one out. <laughs> oh, I don't understand that one either. <laughs> no. that's, that's quite that's quite hard to get. <laughs> <laughs> but we learned to march. And years afterward, about four years afterward, when we broke up, when the war ended and we broke up and went into another unit, the, the sergeant major came into, into the NAFI. Mm. And we, and he was upset because he, he was being posted as well, obviously. Uh, and he's, uh, he said, um, I'll tell you this, he said, oh, uh, you girls have done me proud. You march, he said. You march. I was proud of the way you marched. I know I wouldn't tell you before. He said, but you march like the men. You can march the men off the off the parade ground. And my friend said, "Well, I wish you'd told us you've been rotten to us for the last four years." <laughs> and he said, "Well, he said, if I'd told you how good you were, you wouldn't have tried so hard, would you?" Well, he's right, isn't he, I yeah. suppose? Well, you say, we'll show him, we'll show him. We'll show him. <laughs> yeah, I know. We could do those ex- difficult manoeuvres like you see on, on parade in the army. Mm. Oh, yeah, we were treated. There were no concessions, none at all. Yeah. Katika, have you got a question for Jessie? She would like to know what you and the other girls did in the evenings. Oh, there was always... Well, you've got all your cleaning to do for the next day. Your boots, your, your gaiters... Buttons. So, at some point, you you would have been you know you would have been posted properly. Did you get any time home? A full month, and then you could decide what you wanted to do. After that, you could go to you could be a driver. You could be a I, I don't know. You could you could be a cook. You could be be a goodness. Oh, there's loads of jobs. Telephonists, all kinds of things, and ACAC. And I thought. I'd like to do something like that. I'd like to because I knew then that you could not, might get a few moves. But for those who don't know, what was what was ACAC? Anti-aircraft. That's all. That's the that's the ammunition thing, oh, isn't it? Oh yes. Oh yeah. You had to, there were no concessions. We were, were told in, in ACAC, never worry about noise. You noise. You don't get killed by noise. Don't worry. Don't no matter how much noise it is. It's not. That's not the thing that's going to kill you. Mm. So we didn't worry. But anyway, I went to this, and, so it's, and then we went to Arborfield near Reading, and we learned all the things ab- about um, anti-aircraft, and, and we had to learn all everything to do with guns, as yeah. we could possibly could. And then a month after that, we went onto the Norfolk coast, and we p- had practice with real guns, with real ammunition, and then we were posted to a proper gun site. I went to Huddersfield. I went. We went to another another camp in Huddersfield. We went to uh, Ang- Anglesey on, mm. on, a, on a on a practice camp because we had some new uniform, some new equipment, mm. and uh, oh, then we went to Hull, which which was the worst bomb city I'd ever seen in Britain. In in Britain. Mm. When we went to Hull, we took out straight over for, from the men. And one of them said, it's bloody all here. You girls will never stick it here. We've been, well, you never get a night's sleep. You never get a day's rest. There's, there's, there's bombs and there's machine guns, he says, and there's action all the time. Hmm. You girls will last three weeks and you'll be asking for posting. 
Well, we lasted a bit longer. We lasted 10 months. <laughs> well, it sounds like they underestimated you, didn't they? They haven't got a clue. They, they said, look, they're doing our jobs. And when we took over, we said, look, they're doing our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was murder. It was. I don't think we had more than two nights sleep in a week. Proper sleep. Mm. No. And, and when the alarm went... Well, what do you do? You jump, you, the alarm goes, it's very loud, in, in the, each hut. You jump into your boot, into your boots. Yeah. Uh, you jump into, uh, grab your, uh, your coat and steel helmet and run like hell and to get onto to target. Uh, and the first thing you say, hot time to on target! <laughs> Ready for action, yeah. <laughs> I have got to, I've got to say, Jesse, I know, you know, it was it was a proud dad talking where he said it was you that won the war single-handedly, but if it wasn't for people like you, we wouldn't have won the war. We wouldn't have won the war. No, We wouldn't have won the war. I'll tell you this, when I think of what it would have been like, when we got into Belgium, they, they, would, they couldn't believe that girls would do that. Somebody said, why do you do that? And I said, because we don't want the Germans to get over to Britain. I said, your country lasted 12 days. Yeah. We've lasted five years. We just couldn't have it. No. In Belgium, as I said, we were working, doing the same job, defending Antwerp until the actual war ended. Mm. When the Germans moved in, they said, when you see German troops walking down on the pavement, you civilians, you've got to get off, off the pavement. You've got to get off the pavement onto the road. And one man said, bugger me, I'm not going to do this. He said, this time I won't do this. I will get off the pavement. I'll go. I'll just see what happens. And the German officer took out his revolver and shot him in the head and walked on. Oh, my God. Yes, he did, honestly. It happened in the next village, in the next street from where we, our friends did. That's unbelievable. Oh, no. They did it. So while all this was going on with you and you were keeping Belgium safe after keeping Hull safe and Britain safe... Tried to. Where was Jim posted? Jim had been sent to... to uh, we wanted He wanted to get married so much before we went away, before he went uh, out. He knew he was going to the north, uh, to um, the Middle East. So he went to... He was sent to... Tunisia. Mm. Four, four months. Mm. We were married for four months. Mm. And one day I said, no, I've not, I've not heard from Jim for three weeks. Somebody said, you're wanted in the battery office. I thought, oh, God, what have I done? I don't think I've done anything wrong. And there was a, one of the officers with a letter in her hand. Mm. And she said, this just came from you, to you, from records and it said it is my painful duty to inform you of the death in action of your husband uh, on, on 25th of April 19 uh, this year yeah last month and I said can't be mm. and I said there was his name his number 1507435 I still remember it mm-hmm. I said, excuse me, I remember saying that. Excuse me, I said, I, I want to be on my own for a, 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 about this. Mm. And I went and sat in the, the, the old, uh, what's the name again? The nothing. I went and sat in the so-called restroom. Mm. And I looked at nothing. 
can't be true. I'm not, not that I'm not seeing this. And one of the officers came in and just with a, with an off with a cup of tea, and she, and she said, "I'm terribly, terribly sorry, Winkworth. There's not a thing we can do, but it's a cup of tea, and you'll be hearing from from the office." Mm. And um, they gave me a leave, uh, a, a ticket, and I just went back home. And I didn't cry for weeks. I didn't cry at all. It was just too bad. Mm. It was too bad. I couldn't couldn't take it in. My dad was lovely, but I mean, I never, I didn't upset, didn't want to upset him. So I said, "It's all right. I can cope with this. I've got to." Mm. And so I did. And I went back to to work, got back with it, and uh, I thought, well, there's nothing I can do. So I carried on the same, just the same. And I still wear this engagement ring oh, I had yeah. that when I was 18. Oh, and it's beautiful too. I wear that. I wear that my engagement ring all the time. Mm. Like that. Yeah. Because I, I, I just like it. Yeah. And I, but I didn't keep a photograph. I couldn't care. I couldn't bear it. I just, no, I said, I, I, know, what, at, I know what he looked like. Yeah. I shall know. He had a beautiful smile. He had black wavy hair mm. and a lovely smile. Oh, bless your heart. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You came from a little village near Hull Beach in Lincolnshire. You then joined up... And you were stationed all over the place in oh, Hull yeah. oh, and in and I in had about Antwerp. Tw- Twenty moves, I think, sooner or really? later. Really? Mm, yeah. So you you were stationed all over the place. So and now you're in a lovely a lovely house in Southampton. Yes. So how did you end up here? Well, Ralph worked at the big Ford factory. And Ralph was your third husband. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And he was lovely. He was. I'd been with him in Germany for quite a long time, and then I was demobbed. And then he was very. He was in love with me, and he never said a word because I used. To, I was engaged to Mac, mm. so I just got married to Mac, and it was happy to a point, but not de- not the depth. 
that I had with Ralph, mm. not the step. He was kind and he was all right, but he drank too much and he was a lot of fun. And he liked, it was more like being one of, he liked to be one of the fellas, one of the lads yeah. kind of things, you know. Well, I lived in, in uh, Aberdeen for, for 20 years. Did you? And with, with well, with, uh, with Neil, my, yeah. my son, and he was a clever kid, he really was. Neil Macbeth. The, my, my second marriage name was Macbeth, oh, Scottish. And oh, and that's who, is that who you called Mac? Yeah, that's what I was, it was Mac, yeah. And, that, and but what we used, Ralph and I kept in touch, birthday and Christmas, just that's just that. Mm. And they said, and just a little note, how are you? Are you okay and okay? And that's all. Then one day I, don't, I got a bit brave and I said, well, things are not quite as rosy as you think. Because um, Matt is he's not honest with money, mm. although he was working in a bank, and he was—I mean—he was having it off with the woman in the flat downstairs. Oh, I knew dear. that because she told me. Mm. And I said to Mark, "Why?" And he said, "It's nothing in it. She's not important to me." And he said, "I'm quite happy to carry on like this." And I said, "I actually so am I now." I said, "If you you want to get your your." Um, Pleasures out downstairs, just carry on doing it. Um, you can leave me out. Mm. And it, I let, it was like that for years. It was on, I lived a big lie. I used to play the piano for him in, in concerts and I used to do things. And, and I never said a word to anybody. Ralph said, Look, you know how I, I've never told you, and I know how I feel about you. He said, I've never looked at anybody else, and I'm not interested in anybody else. I actually I couldn't bear to have breakfast with somebody else if it wasn't you. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> lovely. And I said, Well, look, I can't, there's Neil. I can't do anything about it until Neil leaves school. And he said, That's three years. I said, Yes, I know, but I can't do all this. And, and he said, Never mind. He said, in three years, you come to me. Well, I would want to, I said. I'd love to. I won't do. But when the time comes, you said, I'll buy a house. <laughs> and I said, can you do that? Hmm. And he said, well, I see that. He said, I'm now 45. I've never married. I, I live very modestly. He said, I'm in digs. I've been in digs for years. And I, I, and I, I think there's nobody in the whole world like you. So I said, well, if you don't mind, will you mm. wait for three more years after you've lived, lived as long as this? And he said, of course I would. Those three years must have, because you both then knew how each other felt, did yeah. those three years feel like a long time? Yes. Uh, and we, But we, we did, and I told Mac, and I said, when you, when Neil get leave school, I'm going to leave you. Oh, he said, all right, he said, it's not, Mac said, he said, I'm, I'm perfectly happy because it was Scotland. He couldn't. I couldn't divorce Mac because it, I was the one who walked out. Right. So um, I lived. We lived in blissful sin for five years. You and, and then, you and Ralph. Yeah. So anyway, the point was that we. Um, I got we we got the divorce for the um, papers came through and we got married in the ne the next fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. It was absolutely. And Neil was eighteen, and he'd gone to university. And I did say to Neil, I, I knew, told Neil, and I said, "Look, you are not old enough and sensible enough. You can, if you want to, stay with your dad, or you can get uh, make your home with Ralph and 
me until you we just you know you get settled down. Did you tell him? Did you tell him what had happened and that? And what, yes, what, I did. Because I, I was fifteen by that time. So he? Do you think he kind of knew anyway? Yes. Yeah. And he said, oh, "Give me a choice." He said, "There's no contest." <laughs> No contest at all. So he, and uh, so we bought a house. Uh, he did buy a nice house. In, and did he get on well with Ralph? Never said a long word. They got on like, like a house on fire. Oh, lovely. They liked each other. They really did. And one time in, in the kitchen, something that I hate things to go wrong in the kitchen. And I said, oh, damn it, last. And just as he walked in the door and he said, not to mention bloody hell. (laughs) 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 We we laughed and we laughed and we laughed. It was so, so innocent, innocent laughter. It sounds, it sounds a very easy relationship. We were right. We were right. He's, he was my other half and I was other half. Yeah. And we felt like that all the time. It's been fantastic to talk to you and oh, fantastic to hear from you and Katika. Uh, How yeah. long have you had Katika? Ten years. Oh, she's yeah. lovely. I know, I know. Jessie Denby, thank you very much. It's funny the whole life I've had, isn't it? Well, that was the astonishing Jessie Denby. Bravery and resilience in every aspect of her long life and tales that would make a docker faint. I'm in total awe of what she's faced up to in her life and still come out smiling. As you'll have just heard, this podcast is about sharing fantastic stories, but there are well over a million chronically lonely people in the UK. If you'd like to know more, then please go online and visit campaigntoendloneliness.org and find out how together we can combat loneliness in older people. Why not go and visit someone in your street who you know lives alone? Make it a regular thing. I can promise it's never a chore and it will give them something to look forward to in their week. Thanks again to the wonderful Jesse, and also thanks to Acast for hosting this show. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.